Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we receive a message from Dr. Paul Jacobs as he walks us through one of the most impactful verses for identifying who Jesus is and what his mission was and is. Thanks for listening as we continue in our series today entitled, Let There Be Light. Um, Pastor Ryan had given, kind of suggested a verse for me um, to teach last year when he was going to be gone, as he said. And um, it got closer to the time that I was to speak, and um, it was very evident that there was a, the message that I was to give that day was joy. And I said, well, I can give a message on joy right now because the Bible speaks of joy. But um, I don't think we need a general surgeon for this job. I think we need a specialist. And uh, fortunately, uh, God worked through Ryan um, a mighty work as the specialist he is in speaking to us. And um, I just love to see the outcome uh, in our church and how we've all come together. So... When I put this message together, I realized that um, another kind of joy, really. Um, and I asked, how do you celebrate the big events in life? So some celebrate New Year's with the light of fireworks. Some celebrate birthdays with the light of candles on a cake. Uh, have any of you ever been to Camp Batawagama? So at the end of the week, they celebrate the end of the week from the light of a big bonfire started by a flaming arrow. As Christians, we celebrate life to the full and the promise of eternal life in the light of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you just make yourself known to us. We see this morning uh, the beauty that Ryan mentioned outdoors. We see the work of your hand, Lord. You prepared the trees, the frost, the mist for us in the early hours of the morning, Lord, as it was still dark. And Lord, as we come to church this morning and your sun shines over the hill, Lord, it lights it all up for us to see. We pray, Lord, that um, your word will be enlightened for us today. I pray, Lord, that your word will touch me. I pray that my family will be reached with this message, Lord, and my family here, who's so valuable to me at uh, Grace Church, Lord. I, I pray that each person here will hear a message for them. Lord, uh, guide us together as a group. Uh, bring us through this day. We thank you for your son, and, and all of your glory. And we now praise you as we study your word. Amen. First of all, why do we celebrate Jesus at all? Most of us lead seemingly good lives. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't steal. We're not murderers. I mean, so easy to say, you know, we're not sinners, we don't murder. So why do, we, why do we need Christ? Why do we need a Savior? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Whoever fails in one part of the law has broken the whole law. In his book, Respectable Sins, author Jerry Bridges comments, have Christians become so preoccupied with the major sins in our society that we've lost sight of our need to deal with our own more subtle sins? He addresses a dozen clusters of specific acceptable sins that we tend to tolerate in ourselves, such as jealousy, anger, judgmentalism, selfishness, and pride. Why do we need Jesus? Paul tells us in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What greater cause for celebration could we have than to know that God offers us a new and better life, an eternal life with him through his son Jesus? Let's celebrate that. Turn with me uh, to the message today, Gospel of John, chapter 8, uh, verses 12 through 20, and that's found on page 1523. So, John eight twelve. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. Now, uh, before I start, let me just say this. When... uh, uh, Pastor Ryan first suggested this this topic, this verse for me. I thought, great, a lesson about light. We can all use a message about light in these trying times. But as I prayed on the scripture verse for days and weeks, asking the Holy Spirit to give me guidance on my message, a few things became very apparent to me. 
I am the light of the world is not a small statement. It's a simple and pure statement, but it's not small. As Jesus speaks, I am the light of the world, and we try and absorb this, his words. It's almost like drinking from a fire hose. God's words are so powerful. Then I ask myself, where do I start with this? I, I am the light of the world is certainly one of the, if not the main messages in the Bible. So it reveals to us who Jesus is. It answers the question, why Jesus? It reveals to us what God asks of us, and it reveals to us what God's promise for us is in Jesus. I pray today that God's word, I am the light of the world, will just touch each and every one of you right where you are. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to personalize this message for you today. So to give you a little background, uh, Jesus was preaching in the temple court during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And uh, during the Feast of the Tabernacles, there were four large candelabras, oil lamps, that they lit in the courtyard. And they were um, monstrous. They were like 75 feet tall, they say. And during the night, they lit up these lamps, and you could see this light. They lit up the courtyard, and you could see the light all around the city of Jerusalem. It shone on the whole, the whole city. And the Israelites did this to commemorate the time when God guided Moses and his people through the wilderness. We remember the flaming columns at night and the clouds during the daytime. And so the lamps represented God's presence with them, guiding them, protecting them. People danced and celebrated with great joy at the coming, the promise of the coming of the Messiah. The festival was a reminder that God would send a light, the light, to a sin-darkened world. So let's dive into today's text. And uh, starting in verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So Jesus begins with the phrase, I am. This can be translated, I am that I am, which speaks to who Jesus is. He is God incarnate. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Jesus states that he is the great I am. He is God. Continuing uh, in verse 12, I am the light of the world. John the Baptist speaks of the coming of this light into the world. In John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, and referring to John the Baptist, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So what is this true light? This true light is holy, righteous, and just. Jesus says in verse 19, If you knew me, you would know my Father also. This light, our Jesus, in effect, defines who God is. My first point today is that Jesus had come to reveal God to man. Later on in verse 13, and I read, The Pharisees challenged him, Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Now let's look at that statement for just a moment. Can you imagine looking God in the face and telling him that he is giving you false witness? I shudder at the thought. Although, in effect, you think about it, every non-believer is saying in spirit the same thing. God, you're false. So you see, the coming of Jesus into the world, it, it provokes judgment. You have to choose sides. There's only two choices. The one who comes to the light, that is, who follows Jesus, will not walk in the darkness. The one who refuses to come, he will walk in the darkness. So in this contrast, again, there's only two alternatives. So it is with a person's decision about Jesus, about your decision with Jesus. So what are we to do with this? Jesus tells us clearly in verse 12, he says, whoever follows me. There. It seemed as simple as that. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? It doesn't mean to literally follow him around like a puppy follows its master. It's more than that. To follow Jesus means to take him inside of you, to have him invade your heart, to relinquish all control to him. There's a country western song, Jesus Take the Wheel. I know some of you have heard it. And uh, in that song, there's a woman, she's literally driving down a slippery road out of control, making all the wrong choices. And she's in the face of life-ending disaster with her baby in the back seat. And she takes her hands off the steering wheel because the car is out of control. And she just reaches up for the sky. And she says, Jesus, take the wheel. And that's a little bit what it's like to follow Jesus, to give it all up to him. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 19, he tells us, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So what must we, what must we do? Jesus tells us, follow him. Jesus also continues in verse 12, tells us what the result of following him will be. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
left to our own devices and without Jesus, we're often drawn to darkness. That is, to a sinful life. From our New Testament reading today, John chapter 3, we read, This is the verdict. Light, Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let me repeat that again. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. As humans, we are flawed. We like to be in control. We hate to submit. We feel that we deserve so many things. We deserve our freedoms. We hate discipline. We love what we want. But sometimes we do what we want in the dark because we know it's just not right. So I thought about this and sin can be like a cockroach. And um, several years ago, our daughter Allison was uh, serving in the Peace Corps in Jordan. And we went, Paula and I went over, and our son Brian went over to visit her and see where she was at. So we went to this little village, and she was living in a lower, lower flat that um, an Arabic uh, Jordanian family had rented to her. And she was showing us around her apartment area. And everything was concrete. Concrete floor, concrete block walls, metal doors, and uh, pretty impervious. And uh, she was showing us through the place, and she went into the bathroom to show us where her, where her bathroom was. And uh, she said, Dad, Dad, come quick. A sarsour. And I said, sarsour? She said, yeah, in the shower, there's this big bug, a sarsour. I said, honey, that's a cockroach. <laughs> she said, oh, no, Dad. She said, she said, they don't have cockroaches here, just sarsours. <laughs> and I said, honey, I said, I hate to break it to you, but if you've got one, you've got a million of them in here. She said, oh, no, I've never seen one. So I said, well, let's just take a little look. So we went down the hallway into the kitchen, metal doors with glass on them. And I said, honey, there's a reason why they have glass on these metal doors. I said, to keep bugs out. I said, you've left your cabinets open. I said, there's going to be bugs in there. Oh, no, Dad, there couldn't be. Moved aside the sugar and the flour, and the cockroaches went scurrying all over. We went further down the hallway, and she had her suitcase with clothes in it that she didn't use very often, cold weather clothes, and it was unzipped and open. And I said, oh, Allie. And she looked at me, and she says, oh, Dad. (laughs) And I opened up the cover of this dark suitcase, and there were four cockroaches sitting on her clothes, and they scurried down inside of the the, um, suitcase. Now, we took everything out of that 
suitcase, we could not find the cockroaches. They had actually gone into the lining of the suitcase. So, you know, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of how sin can be. So we have to remember, we can be spiritual cockroaches, I guess. People love the darkness. We need to admit that. So the light of Jesus is so bright and penetrating, it lights lights up not only what is seen, but what is not seen. And sometimes what's not seen is much worse, isn't it? So that is our impure hearts, our impure thoughts, our impure deeds, our secret sins. Everyone here has a secret sin. Maybe you've come to terms with it, maybe you haven't. But we hold these so close and we hide hide it from the world around us. The knowledge of Jesus and his purity and all of the brilliance of God that he shines out on us reveals our sins to us. They cannot be hidden in the presence of the Most High. But here's why we celebrate. Okay? In verse 12, Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of Jesus washes us clean. God makes us this promise. In Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. When we follow him... We're covered by his grace. In following Jesus, we're free of the bonds of sin in our lives. In knowing Jesus and who he is, we have this confidence. In Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of, and Paul calls it, first importance. So Paul says this is first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Once Jesus was lifted high, literally lifted high on the cross at Calvary, you and I were given the greatest gift, the offer. Now I repeat, the offer of redemption for our sins. Every sin that was ever committed and every sin that will ever be committed in the future can be redeemed. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to redeem us. Um, Chris asked how many jokes I had in my sermon. (laughs) And I told him I couldn't keep up. But but as I was reading this this morning, here's, here's how good God is. I'm reading through my sermon this morning, and I just get to the part about sin and how we love our sin and the darkness we live in. And I get a text, and I want to read this text to you. Uh, this text comes uh, from a friend of Phil's, someone that I only met a short while ago. Randomly. Never get a text, communication. This just randomly came as I was reading over my, my sermon. 
and I quote, my dad was in fisheries and sometimes they had a boat that had a generator and sent a strong electric field that shocked the fish and could kill a man if he fell in. Well, dad had a terrier that would get so excited about seeing the fish that he would jump into the shock field more than once. Now, you ever get a text that says that from someone you hardly know? I'm like, okay, God, this is like around verse 19. It's kind of what I need. So I sent a note back. I said, uh, so appropriate this morning. What was the terrier's name? He says, Pepper. I said, thanks, also seems appropriate. And that was the end of my communication. But see, God, God just touches us at the right times, doesn't he? So I've got some action points for you uh, before I leave you this morning. Uh, action point number one. In the light of Jesus, with the knowledge that we each fall short of the glory of God. Now, is there anybody here who matches the glory of God? Is there anyone listening today who matches the glory of God? Of course not. We each fall short. Humbly accept the fact that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. We need a Savior. Ask Jesus into your life. He says, follow me. If you have never asked Jesus to take the wheel and steer you away from darkness and into the light, find time, get on your knees. Pray a simple prayer, as simple as, Jesus, I trust in you and desire to have you in my heart and in my life. Your life will change. My second action point for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Here, examine yourself in the light of Christ. If your life was a movie, and we were to air that movie today, right here, is there currently any darkness in your life? If your life was a movie, are there any parts you would want to cover up? In 1 John Chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Are you really living in the light? My action point number three. Celebrate. For God's promise to us is true. He sent his one and only Son into the world so that through him we could have joyful life eternal in his presence, in his holy light. Celebrate. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are so good to us. Lord, we recognize that we needed you. We needed a Savior, Lord, that we were disobedient to you. And Lord, we recognize that you sent us Jesus. We recognize that you sent him to us to reveal you to us, Lord. But Lord, also to be that sacrifice for all, 
all that we know we've done wrong and all that we don't know that we've done wrong, Lord. Lord, we know that every day what you give us in your grace is not what we deserve, Lord. Your grace is so large. If we got what we deserve, Lord, I can't imagine what what our life would be like. Lord, we look to the day that we will be with you, Lord, for you give us this promise. You give us the promise, Lord, that you are the light of the world. You are our light. And Lord, if we just accept that offer, that you will also lift us up to be with you, to be with you in all eternity, together with each other, our brothers and sisters gathered here, and also with your son, Jesus. Lord, as, uh, as I leave the podium here today, I pray that you will touch the hearts of each person here in a special way. I pray, Lord, that each person would take some time in the quietness of their own heart to reach out to you and just ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and to accept you so that we may all be together in glory. And Lord, we thank you for your word and your son and praise you today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.